0: Welcome to the Church 214 Podcast. We're glad that you've joined us today. We hope that you enjoy today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about our church, please visit our website at church214.org. Good morning. How are you? Great. This is our last uh, weekend of Expectations, the series we've been in uh, the month of August. And um, I was not originally scheduled to preach today. Uh, It's actually bounced around a couple times. But the Lord likes to actually blow up our expectations. So today is a message straight from Him. Um, Yeah. Let's pray. Jesus, we are with you, heart and soul. Do all that you have in mind. Clear our minds in this moment to fix our eyes on you. You said that our ears are blessed, that our eyes are blessed, and so now we listen attentively and we fix our gaze on you alone. Jesus, we remove any distractions from this place. Principalities and powers that are not of you are not welcome here. But the Spirit of God is resting in this room, is resting in these temples. And so, Father, we say, come. We say that you are welcome here in this moment. We pray that your word would go forth and it would um, impact this cultivated soil, these hearts that are, have been torn up for you, wrecked for you, Father. I pray that any hard spots in each of our hearts would be removed and that we would listen to your voice with fresh ears and eyes this morning. And all God's people said, amen. amen. So last Wednesday night, as I was preparing for this message early into early Thursday morning, it was pretty late. My family was asleep, and and I was on my couch with my laptop, and I I had my earbuds in, and I was listening to, I was watching something on YouTube, and not really watching because I was focused on what the Lord was downloading to me, but I had this worship service on that just happened to, I was listening, watching something else, and then it shifted to, this, and now I know why. It was from a couple years ago, November of 2020. Who remembers that year? And this this worship leader, um, he had started the night off by saying, uh, listen, my, my voice is going out. That was the start of the night. And you could hear during some of the worship songs, you could hear his voice just um, crackle and kind of give out completely. But But how many know like Katie explained this morning, worship is not about who's on stage. Worship is, is your, you are the worship leaders. You're leading yourself in worship. Worship is about blessing the Lord. It's never about a stage, never about a platform. It's only about him. And so this worship leader was going, and, and I'm kind of watching every once in a while, but really just listening and, and focused on writing what the Lord had for me. And they'd been going about an hour. Okay, they've been worshiping about an hour at this point. The, the whole service, if you, if, if you guys think that, that, that we're going long here ever, okay. <laughs> so they've been going about an hour, and I'm zoned into what the Lord's telling me. And all of a sudden, I hear a voice change, a new voice. And they're, they're in the middle of a song, and I hear this voice change. And I'm like, what was that? This, was, this is not a voice that's been giving out. This is not a voice of, of John Wilds who is leading worship in that moment. This is some other voice. And I, I quickly stopped what I was doing, and I looked back, and I rewound. And I looked back, and so they're in the middle of this moment, and John Wilds is losing his voice, and he walks over to the edge of the stage in the middle of a song, and he points to someone about three-quarters of the way back in the service, and he motions for them to come up. This was not planned. This is God blowing up our expectations. And he, put, he, had to, he has to call him several times, right? Because this, this kid that's about to come up, he's not prepared for this. I, well, I hope he was. His heart definitely was. And so he comes running up on stage. John Wiles gives him the microphone. And the kid, without missing a beat, without in-ears, with, without the perfect pitch, without even knowing all the words, he starts to lead everyone in worship. There had been a handoff. A transition. God was blowing up expectations. One of the most powerful things I've ever seen in worship. Oh, Phil, I'll show this to you later. Absolutely incredible. And so many times, that's all the time. That's what the Lord wants to do. Yes, he he sets us in a direction, but see, just like First Corinthians thirteen, what I what I preached yesterday when we married our first couple in this church, which was two days ago, which was awesome. Which was awesome. Love you alex and carly see it says that's a love chapter but it talks about prophecy and it says we do see partially we don't see the whole picture but you we do see and hear partially and i think part of the problem sometimes is we have because it's we only see and hear partially we're not convicted to release the partial truth and allow him to fill in the mystery We have to to be obedient when he reveals truth to us. And yes, we test it. We test everything. Please test everything that I'm saying here this morning. But we have to open our mouths and release the word of God. Even if it's partial truth, even if, I'm not saying it's partial truth. It's full truth. But we don't see the whole picture because we're not completed yet. We see through a glass darkly. But then... When the one who is perfect comes, then we'll see everything fully. But let's not stop from revealing what the Lord has revealed to us. So that's, God's put a lot of mysteries together this morning that he's going to release. And he's releasing a word this morning that I know is going to impact your life because it impacted my life. Amen? So if you didn't know it, and I think you do, if you haven't felt it, and I think you felt it, the last two weeks especially have, I've felt this, we are in the middle of a war. If you have not felt, and, and I think I'm speaking to the right crowd this morning, I think in the last two weeks you felt confusion, you felt tension, you felt things that you didn't fully understand, you felt like this resistance, and I'm here to tell you that's a good thing because you were in the middle of warfare. You're in the middle of war, but here's the, th- here's the great thing you're on the winning side. You're on the victorious side. You are on the side of the one who is true and faithful, who is faithful and true. And so like like John wrote to the churches in revelations, like Jesus said to them, cling tightly to everything that you have. This is not a moment to give up, to lose heart, but this is a moment to cling tightly to him, to cling tightly to truth. And to battle, you're in a war, not against people, not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. And here's the thing, the reason why you're feeling it is because they're losing their grip on what they've had for so long. They're losing their grip as the kingdom of God is established on this earth. What did Jesus teach us to pray? Our Father who art in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, be established here. And Revelation tells us that the kingdoms of this world are becoming the kingdoms of our God. And your job, my job, is to pray that prayer to help heaven become established here on earth. And it is happening. It is happening. You are in a war. So just in case you didn't know it, now you know. And what we see in the physical, what we see in the natural with these eyes is evidence of what's happening in another dimension is evidence of what's happening in the spiritual realm. Our street, Oak Street out here, if you haven't noticed, has looked like a war zone for the last five weeks. Evidence in the physical of what's happening in another realm. We've had struggle and struggle, Holly, for months to try to get a sign for this building, to mark for our building to be marked. That is evidence of a war in the spiritual Realm. There was a delay. Do you remember in Daniel, where there was a delay? But it's coming. We, we got approval for the sign. Yeah. <laughs> this building will be marked as it should be. We've had some parking challenges with our neighbors. Again, we don't fight against flesh and blood, but it's evidence of a war in a spiritual realm. They don't even realize that, the, what, what's happening. So we don't fight against them, but we, you and I are fighting a war in spiritual realms. And here's what the, the thing is. We cannot wage a spiritual war back in the physical realm. See, our tendency is to see this stuff and to just react in the natural. Yes, there is a reaction we have to have in the natural, but first we have to go to where we're called to, to where we're truly seated high above every principality and power and wage the war in a spiritual realm first so it comes through the natural properly. Does that make sense? And make no mistake, this church is called to war. This church is actually called to be a forerunner in the war, like the, like the Navy SEALs that go and take the beachhead first. That's this church. We, are, we started this year with first, about the forerunner, John the Baptist. That's who we're called to be, to be that fighting elite group. And I believe, I know with all my heart, that we are called to break in a new wineskin for the body of Christ. And we're doing that. We're being obedient. We are called like Abraham to go to a land that I will show you. That's how we started this church. And one step at a time, stepping forward together, that's Acts 2.14, we will go to that land. And that means that we only see partially most of the time. We only see the next step part of the time. we, We know, fully know who's called us and what our calling is, but we step forward together. This is a church of both a Joshua and an axe church. Okay, we have that same simultaneous calling, where we're called like Joshua to take new ground, to go into the promised land. And when Joshua, they went in and they, they captured Jericho, that was only one of 31 cities they had to capture. There's more territory for us to advance into, both spiritually and physically. So this morning, I'm going to tell you a, a bunch of stories, and I'm going to tell you some visions that I've had, and they may not all seem connected at first, but they are. See, Jesus is the master storyteller, isn't he? He's the one who speaks in parables. He hides things in plain sight so that you and I as kings search them out, search out his mysteries. And I'm telling you what, you, we will never get tired of searching out the mysteries of God. We're never fully gonna know everything, right? Because that would make us like God. We're never fully gonna know anything. I think we're gonna be in heaven and we're gonna be like, oh my goodness. You remember that thing he did 40 years ago? I never saw that before. Like we're gonna be unveiling these diamonds in the rough over and over again. I hope that excites you. So he's the master storyteller and the Holy Spirit is the master at giving visions. And I'm telling you, this last season, I've had so many incredible visions, I can barely have time to write them all down. And I know some of you have heard these stories, and you've heard some of these visions, but I want to piece all of this together for you, because it's very important. So the first story, three years ago this month, was um, Bubby's birthday, Kip and Heidi's second born child, Wilder Bolt, it was his birthday party. And middle of August, and so we go over to their house, and I think every, most everybody had already gotten there, and I'm coming straight from work, I think, and I, I come in, excited to see the family, and I see Grandpa and Grandma Candler, that's, that's Heather and Holly and Heidi's Grandpa and Grandma, they're sitting in the corner, and one in each corner of the living room, and I walk over to Grandma first, and I give her a hug, and she, like all Grandmas do, I love this, you're going to know what I'm talking about. She hands me a Ziploc bag of barley seeds <laughs> on a Tuesday afternoon. Hi, Grandma. Chris, here you go. This is what we've been teaching in Sunday school. I'm like, thank you, Grandma. <laughs> Love you. I kind of took the bag. I'm like holding it. And then I see Grandpa in the corner. I walk over to him. How you doing, sir? And I'll never forget this moment because he passed on to glory but I'll never forget this moment because I I didn't put it together in the moment. And he said, son, those are the seeds that that Ruth gleaned from Boaz's fields. And I said, "Uh (laughs) uh-huh. Thank you, sir. And then I proceeded to say hi to everybody else and I put the Ziploc bag of seeds next to Heidi's refrigerator and I forgot all about them. Left them there that night. Until the next night... The next afternoon, I'm driving home from work. I'm crossing the McCluggage Bridge from Pekin, East Peoria, into Peoria. And I asked the Lord, the middle of the bridge, I said, Lord, what are you doing? This three years ago. And immediately in, in my spirit, as loud as he can yell in my spirit, he said, I'm winnowing. I'm winnowing. And I knew it was significant, and, I, and immediately I thought of the barley seeds, I called Heidi up. I said, do you still have those barley seeds? Like, I need, to, I need to have them. And she did. I'm winnowing. That was before we, anyone, six months before we knew what COVID was. And we've seen what winnowing has taken place in the world, in the church, in your heart, in your life. Winnowing is simply the chaff, the outside shell of the seed being removed. Because Psalm 1 says it's, it's worthless. The chaff needs to be blown away. And, and this is something that we always have to have in our life, to allow the Holy Spirit to continually blow his wind and blow the chaff off of our life. I'm winnowing. And hasn't he done it and won't he still do it in our church and in our life and in our world? In April I had a vision and I shared this I believe in one of my messages but I'll share it briefly again uh, of Oak Street. And in this vision I saw I, I was right up here Sunday morning Phil remembers this because he's like what is Chris doing on the floor there. And I saw this vision of of the Oak, of Oak Street and this sewer manhole cover and it got blown off and it didn't just get like toppled over into the street it got blown off straight up into heaven. And there was like some sort of door or portal with the most brilliant light I can ever describe and it blew right through there. Followed by limbs of reptiles, crocodiles, alligators, snakes, just parts of them all cut up. The demonic realm flying straight up into this portal like he was clearing and exposing everything in the underground world. Then on July 7th, of this year just over a month ago I had another vision of Oak Street. I was standing in the middle of the front room there on a Thursday night during breakthrough, before breakthrough I was standing right in the middle of the room. A room where I'd previously had a vision of a lion's paw coming down and marking our room. Jesus has marked us. And in this vision I saw this about six inches below the concrete, I saw like what I thought was a snake. And I knew that it couldn't get into the room. I knew that this we've been sealed and protected from this evil. But I saw what I thought was a snake, and, it, and then I realized it was something much bigger. And it, underground, it slithered out to Oak Street there, still underground. And I realized that it was Leviathan. Now, Leviathan's a creature described in the Bible, but it, it also is, is a demonic entity or, or a sign of a demonic entity that's full of pride. A lot of different things. Hides right below the surface, which makes sense. But it's, it's, a, it's a large principality in spiritual warfare. And this guy was huge. Leviathan was big. Still all underground. And as I was focused on him, all of a sudden... I looked up in the vision, and I saw a lion, not a small lion, a lion about the size of this building come down and land on Oak Street. And the lion, when he landed, those same sewer drains, they, they popped up from the force of his, his landing. He banged his paw on the street, and those, those sewer drains just popped right up from the force of his blow. And with one swift movement with his other paw, he reached down through the concrete and he grabbed Leviathan with his claw and he brought him up to the surface. And then he took one sharp claw and from his neck, Leviathan's neck, all the way to his tail, he ripped him wide open. And then what I saw next was incredible. I saw these white things in Leviathan start flying out of Leviathan. And they were flying both into heaven and like seeds into the earth. And I realized in that moment that they were babies, that they were both the unborn that the enemy has stolen and the yet to be born. And then I realized I saw more white things flying out of Leviathan, and I, and I realized that those were seeds. They were, it was the word of God. You know, in the parable of the sower, Jesus talks about the bird that comes and snatches away the seed. Leviathan has snatched away words for years that haven't been penetrating into the soil because the enemy has stolen them. And, but I saw those seeds fly out of that dead corpse's, that reptile, and they, they got planted in the earth. Then the lion looked up into the heavens, and he roared the loudest roar that you can ever imagine. It shook the earth, And he stood over Leviathan's wreckage, and his paw was on his dead neck. And he roared again, and I saw in the western sky what looked like the symbol of an Aztec god. It was like a fake sun in the western sky. And when the lion roared once more, that dropped, and then I saw a sun come into picture in the western sky that was brighter than anything I've ever seen before. Evil is being destroyed. You are in a war. Life of the word and life of the womb is being released once again into the earth and into heaven. And what the enemy has previously stolen in your life, in lives around you, is being released into the earth. On Sunday, August 14th, a couple weeks ago, I had another vision that I didn't share with anyone yet. It was very personal to me, and I was processing it for three or four days. And Thursday of of the, of not this last Thursday, but Thursday before. So four days after I'd had this vision, I came home from lunch from work to have lunch. That's usually my my routine, and. Heather and the kids were there, and all of a sudden I felt very compelled to share the vision with Heather. And I did, and as I will typically do, I started crying because it was very personal to me. And I'll share that at the very end of the message. But as I shared it and I shared what it meant, she agreed with me. And what I didn't know in that moment, see, there's something so powerful about agreeing with truth. I had to process it for a few days. It was something very personal from the Lord to me, but when she agreed with it, it was like I had gone and got the nuclear codes and in the spiritual realm started a nuclear war. Because the rest of that, I went back to work for the rest of that afternoon. I was irritable. I was angry. That is not my personality. I don't get angry that easily. Everything that I was doing was a struggle, a battle. I, was, I, was, I couldn't figure out what was going on. I didn't put this connection together until later on. But what I shared with my wife, coming into agreement with truth, set off a nuclear war. And I was at war all afternoon. So it was, it was Thursday. Breakthrough was coming up. I came home from work. And usually, I'm very affectionate. I'll walk over to my wife first. I'll give her some slaps. You know what? It's, it's really, this is free. It's really good for, t- for your children to see your affection for your spouse okay? And I didn't do that that day. I'll I'll hug my kids later, but, you know, I can make more of them, so they're secondary. (laughs) But I walked in the door that day, that afternoon, and I just walked straight upstairs. And Heather, literally, she was like, are you okay? I'm like, uh, I don't know. She follows me upstairs and goes, what is your problem? Are you okay? And I said, I don't no, I, I, and I didn't know. I did not know, but something was clearly wrong with me. I'd South off that nuclear war. I was being oppressed. Now I know I was being oppressed huge from the comeback of the enemy because of what I'd shared and she'd agreed at lunch with me. And we get, get in the car, probably a fairly silent ride because I'm still like, what is wrong with me? I don't know what's wrong with me. I hope tonight a breakthrough. God will break through to me, and he did. But I pulled up. On the street here, the Chiefs were having a game that night. It was way before they'd started. And I parked on the street, no big deal. Let the kids off, let Heather out. They walked inside, and as I was getting out of my truck on the street, I turned and I see the GM of the Chiefs walking furiously towards me. And in my mind, I go, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh. Now, normally this wouldn't have been a big deal. Things just, like, go off my shoulder or, like, It's not a big thing, but that day, remember, I'm in a spiritual nuclear war. That day would have been the day, and he looked, he pointed at me, and he said, move your truck. And I literally, I bit my tongue, because the version of Chris Taves that you've never seen before was about (laughs) to come out. But I heard the Holy Spirit say, don't, don't, don't. And so I, I physically bit my tongue, got in my truck, and I parked like five blocks away. I, just, I, I knew, like, Jesus, I need to have a walk with you right now. I don't know what is going on. I don't know what's happening to me. I need to take a walk. And so I parked like as far away as I reasonably could, and I just started walking down Jes- Jefferson Street. And I started walking towards that, that hole. I could see it coming. There it is. That was a few weeks ago. It's filled in today, sealed up today, which is also very significant. Remember, physical things are evidence of spiritual activity. And I'm walking towards this hole, and I'm just irritable. I'm angry. And and from two blocks away, I literally, almost out loud, I said, Jesus, why is the demonic so destructive? I don't know if you've ever been slapped by Jesus before. He like flipped over my tables. He slapped me so hard. And he said, Chris, you are asking the wrong question. What was the vision I gave you? I created that hole. The demonic didn't do it. I did it. I dug them out from the ground. Why are you focused on them instead of being focused on me? That's a word. And I said, Jesus, I am so, so sorry. And he said, Now ask me the right question. And I said, Jesus, what are you doing? And he said, Immediately, just as clear as he had said the winnowing three years ago, he said, I'm planting. I'm planting. I'm planting. And the reason I felt an urgency two weeks ago that I, I hadn't even put this all together yet, the reason I felt an urgency to release this word was because he was about to release something to me when I was obedient in a moment, not to go back into a physical war in the physical, but to hold back and wait to war in the supernatural to hear, so I could hear him say, I'm planting. And what, I've, what we've understood by what he said, I'm winnowing three years ago, if, I don't, if I'm not obedient to release what he's doing in this season, then we'll just completely miss it. Because there is a planting season that we're in now with cultivation that he's dug up from the ground that's so important to understand. He's ripping evil apart in you, through you, around you. And he's establishing himself both on Oak Street in Peoria and on your street in your heart. And he wants to plant something there. He wants to put something in that hole. See, evil and and idols and all that stuff has to be ripped out of our hearts. But it doesn't stop there. That's when the Spirit of the Lord puts something back in you, plants something in you. And in order to plant, there must be an opening. There must be a cultivating, there must be a tearing apart, and sometimes it doesn't look good, it doesn't feel good. I mean, our streets look like a war zone for five weeks now. See, I had that vision of the lion ripping the street apart on July 7th. It was two weeks later when that was ripped up. I saw the spiritual realm, Jesus allowed me to see it before it happened in the physical I've been reading a lot about the flood, went back to Genesis, and it's been speaking to me a lot lately. And you know, Noah, they, they were obedient, right? Everyone had the opportunity to get saved in that ark. But Noah and his family, they were obedient, and they went in the, the ark, and God shut the door. I love that. He's the one that opens doors and shuts them. God shut the door, and it rained for 40 days and 40 nights, and water covered the entire earth. To the highest mountain peaks, it says, water covered the entire earth for another 150 days. It's a symbol of baptism. Completely covered. Death, burial, resurrection. Then the waters receded so that new life could happen. It's a symbol of your salvation. And when the ark had finally rested on Ararat and it was time, God opened the door and he said, he said, Noah... Leave the boat. Leave the boat. And then he repeated the command that he had given Adam and Eve to be fruitful and multiply on the earth. He was literally recreating the earth. I was talking to Craig and Crystal earlier. They're about to go to Utah and maybe see the Grand Canyon as well, but they're going to see Bryce Canyon and Zion Canyon, some of my favorite places in the world. But all of which were recreated by the flood. Jesus is always creating new. He's always doing new things in and through you and on this earth. All creation is groaning, waiting for that final day of creation. But God says to Noah, leave the boat. The door is wide open. And that ark, is a, it's a picture of the cross. It's a beautiful representation of salvation. But I'm telling you what, so many Christians, I've been there find salvation in the ark. They find safety in the ark. The problem is they never walk out of the ark. They never leave the boat. This is not following Jesus. This is not Christianity. See, the cross is central. Yes, absolutely central to the gospel. The tomb is vital to the gospel, but the story doesn't end with a cross and a tomb. The story doesn't end with death and burial. The whole thing is meaningless except that on the third day in a dark tomb, there was (gasps) one breath. One breath that changed everything. (laughs) Resurrection life filled the lungs of Jesus and he walked out of that open door because the stone had been rolled away. And I came to tell you this morning that the door is wide open. The door is wide open. There's an ancient door that he's put put in place and reserved for this moment in time. And the heavenly portal, that door is wide open. But here's the thing. There's Christians and believers that are scared to come out of the ark. There are believers that that are afraid to come out of the tomb. They're terrified of what it looks like because it's more comfortable in the tomb. It's way more comfortable to be wrapped up in grave clothes and and not have to actually rise up with faith and step out through that opening. And we wonder why the world doesn't shift around us when we live powerless lives. Fully saved, dead in Christ, buried in Christ, but never walking out of the resurrection power. Where is the church we read about in Acts? The one with power and signs and wonders. See, that's why some have created cessationist theology. To go along with their laziness and their weak version of Christianity. It's easier to believe that those things just happened back in the book of Acts. And we stay right here in our cold, comfortable tomb, wrapped up in our grave clothes, never experiencing the resurrection power of Jesus Christ, never knowing the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Why would your friends and neighbors be attracted to that kind of Christianity? The kind of religion that ends in death and burial. Every other religion offers that. If that's what we're doing, then we're just playing games. We're just wasting our time. But I'm here to tell you today that there's a generation that's rising up. There's a group in Peoria, Illinois on 307 Oak Street that's rising up. And they are ready to take a breath. They are ready to take a breath and they're ready to leave the tomb. They're ready to be planted. They're ready to leave the boat. They're ready to step through the wide open door. They're ready to walk in resurrection power. You are not created for comfort. You were not created for the safety of the tomb. You were created to be dangerous to darkness. You were created to call heaven down to earth for his kingdom to be established every place you go. You were created to receive the breath of God, the resurrection breath of God, and then you were created to blow that same breath and fill the earth with his resurrection power. I came to tell you today that the stone has been rolled away. The grave clothes have been folded up. Don't you dare stay in the tomb. Don't you dare stay in the tomb. What was closed is now open in Jesus' name. Revelation 307. 307 says this. For these are the solemn words of the Holy One, the true one who has David's key, who opens doors that none can shut and who closes doors that none can open. I know all that you've done, Church 214. Now I have set before you a wide open door that no one, no one can shut. So the vision that I shared with Heather that lunch that I received two weeks ago was this. And you have to understand that as a, as a boy growing up in Canada, uh, I lived about 45 minutes from my grandparents' farm, and so we spent a lot of time out there. And it was one of, it's one of my favorite places on Earth. Played with cousins. There's an overhead picture of it. It's a really big farm. It looks smaller on satellite. But they're the woods that we, we played in and ran through. And I remember one night camping out with no tent. And at midnight, we were laying on the ground and we were just looking at the northern lights, dancing in the horizon. My grandpa, who had Parkinson's disease, he was a farmer and he just kept walking. He never, even in the wintertime, he'd go to one of his chicken barns and he'd just keep moving his muscles. He'd keep stepping Forward, he was the he was my war horse. That's why I'm wearing this hat today. He was my war horse, and my grandma. She was so filled with faith. My faith comes from seeds that she planted that I doubted back then, but but she planted the word of God in me. So it's a beautiful place. And as a child, that have these dreams, reoccurring dreams that I was flying just myself, just with my you know, arms stretched wide, flying over the farm. And I never thought more about it until a couple years ago, God gave me just this download of what he was saying to me. It was so personal and so beautiful. So that's the backdrop. And two Sundays ago, I'm laying here before service, and the Lord gives me a vision. And I saw the field just north of my grandpa's farm there, and what I saw was a full-grown wheat stock. It was a wheat field most of the time. And I saw seeds start to fall from the, corn, from the, the wheat stalk into the ground. And I knew that the seeds represent pe- represented people. And then I saw a seed that, was, that I knew represented me. And as it started to fall out, it didn't hit the ground because the gu- a gust of wind picked it up. And it blew it over the road into that field there, the one that's green. But in my vision, it was dark, rich soil. And as I was blowing, I, I, and the Holy Spirit was blowing me, that seed, I saw the Lord start to write an inscription on me, mark me. And it looked like an inscription in, in Arabic, but I knew immediately that it was a heavenly language. And, and he's still revealing to me what all he was writing on me. But he dropped me in the very middle of that field across the road. And he planted me. He marked me, and then he planted me. And as the result of that, I saw some more wheat come up, some young wheat, and, and it started to reproduce. And the middle of the field, it started to, to, to grow out and extend into all parts of the field. And I could see inside of each wheat stock, each kernel had also been marked with that same heavenly inscription from the original planting that, I, that, that was me in, in there, every one that was reproducing had that same heavenly inscription on it. Now, in the corner, the, the, the far corner of the field, there were weeds that started to grow. And there began to be this battle for the field between the wheat and the weeds. This, this is true of your life and my life. There was a battle raging. But at the end of the day, the wheat overtook the field. And every single wheat stock that was planted, every single seed in there had the same heavenly inscription marked on it. I can't tell you what that means to me, what the Lord did in my heart. Because of so much meaning. But I was writing that out the night before I told Heather this at lunch. I guess it would have been Wednesday night. And as I'm writing it out, I I felt the Lord say, Go get some satellite images of your grandpa's farm. And, you know, their address was Rural Route 2. So it's not like (laughs) I had searched for a while to find it, but I found it. And I couldn't tell you what the name of that road was right there. But I guess it's Range Road 250. It might have been called something different when I was growing up. And as I saw that, as I saw Range Road 250, the Lord immediately spoke to my spirit spirit and he said Luke 2:50 This is what Luke chapter 2 verse 50 says But they didn't understand what he meant But they didn't understand what he meant It's talking about Jesus If you back up to verse 48 this is when Jesus was at the temple and his parents had gone home and they'd forgotten him left him there and says so he his parents Jesus parents didn't know what to think when they'd finally caught up with him son his mother said to him why have you done this to us your father and I have been frantically searching for you everywhere and he said but why did you need to search didn't you know that I must be in my father's house but they didn't understand what he meant When my dad was 18, 19, 20 years old, I I don't know exactly, he was driving a grain truck on that road. And I don't know what happened. He he doesn't know what happened, but the grain truck flipped. He should have died. He, He completely totaled the truck and grain spilled all over the place. And if he would have died, I wouldn't be standing here. But the seed was spilled. See, he doesn't always do things the way we think he should. He doesn't always do things the way your friends and family think they should. See, even Jesus' parents said to him, we don't understand what you mean. He said, I've got to be in my father's house. We don't understand. Here's the thing. There will be those that don't understand you. Who won't understand what the Lord is doing in and through you. There will be friends that reject you. There will be family that turns their backs on you. People that don't understand what you mean. You have a witness in your brother Jesus. His parents didn't understand him either. But here's the thing. Your focus needs to be in your father's house. can't let it wreck you, but instead we need to step into his fullness because I'm telling you to here today, the spirit has picked you up and he's blown you across the road and it's okay that they don't understand what you mean because I have a word for you. He's marking you today. He wants to mark you today because he wants to plant you. There is an opening. It's messy and it looks like war because it is, but it's a wide open door that no one can shut. And I came to tell you today that it's planting season. It's planting season. You have first must be winnowed, then marked, then planted. He's marking you today. He wants to mark you today, but he's not going to force you. You have to let him. Would you stand up? I want you to put one of your hands on your hearts and just open the other hand to receive this commissioning, this marking. Isaiah 61 says this. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed and commissioned me to bring good news to the humble and afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the wounds of the brokenhearted, to proclaim release to the captives and freedom to the prisoners, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance and retribution of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant those who mourn in Zion the following, to give them a crown, Instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of despair. So they will be called the oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. They, Church 214, will rebuild the ancient ruins. They will raise up and restore the former desolations. And they will be the renewed cities. Would you close your eyes? We've got one last story. We just had our hardwood floors redone, something we've wanted to do for years. And in doing so, we bought some new appliances. And they were delivering our fridge after the hardwood was done, and they were delivering our fridge last week. And I was the one home, and Heather was gone. I said, please, please, for the love of God, don't scratch these floors. And they were so good. They were so good. They, they installed the fridge, and as they were saying, sir, is there anything else we can do for you? And I said, well, it looks like the fridge is still a little dirty. Um, maybe it's just me. And, and they said, oh, no, sir, that's, we've got some plastic on there that protects it. And I said, oh, I see it's barely visible, but it needs to be peeled off. And they said, well, actually, a lot of people like to keep that on there, because if you take it off, then you're going to get marks on the fridge. And I kind of laughed, but he was serious. Then I realized, isn't that how we live most of our lives, towards Jesus? We're not fully vulnerable. We keep the plastic covering on. And then he never is able to fully mark us. You're going to have to choose whether to remove that plastic or not. You're going to have to choose. See, the next day, I thought I'd removed all the plastic. And the next day, i come down and get something from the freezer, and it had some plastic on it. And the day after, we found more plastic inside the fridge on a, on a shelf. Like, we kept removing this covering, but it has to be removed so that you can be marked. Jesus will never force himself on you. But once you are vulnerable enough to receive his marking, he will write his name on you, a name that is only known to you and him. He will mark you so that he can plant you. And maybe you're in this room today and you've never received him. You've never made him the Lord and Savior of your life, Jesus. I want to tell you today that he came and he died for you. He took your punishment because you're a sinner. He shed his blood for you, the blood that should have been yours. His beard was ripped from his face. That that should have been your punishment. He died the most agonizing death a human can ever die. But he has the last laugh because he took one breath and he rose again from the grave. And in doing so, he created resurrection life for you resurrection power for you to step through the same tomb that he walked through and the only question today is there's no magic formula you just say in your heart jesus i believe you i receive you and maybe you're here today and you've been a christian for 30 years three years three months time frame doesn't matter but here's the thing there's more plastic to remove off of yourself There's more winnowing to happen so that you can be marked. But the the question is, he's not going to do it for you. You have to receive it yourself. You have to walk through that open tomb. You have to walk through that open door. You have to rip that off. So I don't know who you are. I don't know what the Holy Spirit is speaking to you individually. I just want to tell you there's an open altar. There's an open door. And he wants to mark you today. He wants to do something significant with you today if you will rip off the plastic. He wants to let his oil flow today. Come, Lord Jesus. Spirit. We receive your oil. We receive your oil. You know, the widow that Elisha told to gather up pots and containers to receive her oil, she went to friends and family and gathered as many containers as she could. But I guarantee you this, they had to be emptied out. Their friends, I love the family of God because he doesn't do anything in isolation. He uses friends and family. And I guarantee you those pots and containers, they had to be emptied out. The plastic had to be removed off so that he could fill it with his spirit so that he could mark himself on you. Father, thank you for your word. We don't want to be a church that's powerless. We remove our plastic vulnerabilities. We remove all the idols in our life. We take off what is fake. We come before you with genuine, open, authentic hearts. And we say, Jesus, do everything that you have in mind. Mark us today. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. If you want a fresh and filling of the Holy Spirit, there will be those up here who will anoint you with oil today. If that's you, if you want a filling of the Holy Spirit, Father, we pray for your Holy Spirit to rain fire down on these people in this moment. We pray for a fresh outpouring, a new wineskin, a fresh marking because this is the planting of the Lord. These are the oaks of righteousness. Father, would you plant us deep in your soil. david are being called from the back fields he's looking for a heart that is fully enlightened with him because then when you get to the war zone you can shout back at goliath and you can turn the curse into a blessing you can stand confidently on the sidelines when everyone else is in fear and you can rise in faith and you can say no you cannot curse my god Goliath, your days are numbered. Keep on talking because that's going to turn into a blessing. Jezebel, your days are over. You've been overthrown. We break off the powers of religion, the principality of Jezebel, the ugliness of Leviathan that you are destroying and have destroyed. We break off every the spirit of Python, Every reptile curse that has come against you, people of God, we say there's a blessing instead because there is. Oh God, as we enter this planting season, let us recognize the holes that you've created that look like war because it is. Let's fight supernaturally in heavenly places, high above every principality and power. And let's watch the power come back to the church. Of the Lord this morning, wherever you are, just be fully present and alert for what He's saying to you in this moment. He's revealing mysteries to you, He's sealing off pain just like He sealed off that hole on Oak Street. This is the planting of the Lord. which marks us and moves us calls us a new name thank you for those that are walking out of the tomb into the open door we receive your power come Lord Jesus come